0: Tim Stout, Stout on Sports from our Affiliate The Game, seven thirty AM in Lansing. Weekday mornings, ten A.M. Huge show, tape delayed. Weeknights six PM. He's standing by in the Roast Umber coffee guest sign. How you doing, my man? Good,
1: Bill. How are you today? I was there yesterday. I was in the middle of all that yesterday. It was a amazing scene put on by the Tigers management. I hope Miguel Cabrera sends thank you notes to as many people as he can, because I thought the Tigers absolutely went out of their way. I've never seen that kind of commitment to honoring a player in Detroit pro sports history, ever. Now, I haven't seen them all. I don't know what the Red Wings did for Gordy Howe and Steve Eiserman. I don't know what the Pistons did in the aftermath for their guys, let alone the Lions. I mean, I know they got a statue to Barry Sanders, but what the Tigers did yesterday for cabrera was an amazing scene uh and i doubt i'll ever see that again because i doubt any athlete uh pro athlete there will get that kind of treatment but with whoever thought everything up it was it was expensive to do what they did it was well thought out like i say i hope he sends some thank you notes because he owes them
0: well what stuck out to you being there uh, in downtown detroit for miggy's last game tim what will you take with you that you'll remember forever
1: well, I'm usually very critical of the way sometimes these pro teams do what they do either to the fans or the way they cavort about their business, but that way and I always say that the attendances at these these games at every level is completely uh, you know they're enlarged they're fabricated, but that place was packed of the Raptors, and I don't know how many thousand. Cabrera shirts I saw there and I thought to myself you know it does reinforce the notion that Detroit is a terrific sports town if you give them anything whatsoever because if it wasn't for Cabrera's situation you know that's a three game series at the end of the season on a good day when people could be doing other things and that game had absolutely no relevance one way or the other but for that and I and they were into it man I mean they were absolutely into it. those people went there to cheer and that's what they you know they had not been able to che- it's nine straight years, they missed the playoffs. Nine straight years, they missed the playoffs. And the playoffs have expanded, so it's not as if the players are just four divisional winners. Um, They were better this year, but I think the division was horrendous. I thought they would win a number of games at the end, because when I saw their September schedule, I thought they play some of the worst teams I have ever seen play Major League Baseball, and they, even though they're better, I don't know if they're that much better, but they're going to win a number again. They had to play the Dodgers three, and they lost two out of three, but as you know, they romped over Oakland, Kansas City, the Angels, Cleveland, Minnesota, I mean, uh, well, Minnesota too, the Whites. I mean, went on and on and on. So they ended up only six games under 500. And I see Scott Harris says today, the president, he's going to be active, he says, in the offseason. And and when I watched Eduardo Rodriguez pitch yesterday, he came out after the seventh inning. We were in a suite. And I said, to everybody around, I said, everybody's here for Cabrera, but watch the reception Rodriguez gets in the dugout after the seventh inning here, because everybody knows. That's probably his last pitch he'll ever throw for the Tigers, and he was very sharp yesterday. I think it's too bad they're probably going to lose him if you listen to some of the others that are close to this, but we'll see.
0: Tim Stout, Stout on Sports, and our affiliate the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. Hear him on the radio weekday mornings, 10 a.m. TV guy. Also, the huge shall tape delayed airs weeknights at 6 p.m. Uh, Noah Kim, MSU quarterback. Does he start another game for MSU?
1: That's a tough call, Bill. That is tough. Where I was yesterday, I was amongst Spartans and Wolverines, and they were all arguing about that. That's a tough call. I think there's a lot that's going to happen off the field during this bye week, and I think think some of that's going to go to how practice goes. If he starts at Rutgers a week from Saturday and they still struggle, I think they'll get him out of there, just as to quote Harlan Barnett last time, to get a spark. He may not start but come off the bench. My read is is that, that the quarterback's going to be fluid for them for the remainder of the year because they're two and three. If you assume they're going to lose to Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, that's two and six. So to get to a bowl game, you tell me, can they run the table and beat Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, and Rutgers? Because no. those are the other four, and they would have to sweep all of them to get to six and six. And I'm not sure they can do that given the fluid nature they have, plus, and I keep watching, I keep hitting refresh every time, are how many guys, if any, are going to be in the portal between now and next week when they play Rutgers. It may be none, could be a few, could be a number. It's hard to say because the bye week to me is a week, especially in modern-day college football, where players get a chance to kind of make a decision elsewhere because they're not focused on meetings in the immediate game ahead. So we're fascinated to see this week Did they lose anybody of significance one way or the other? If I was guessing, I'm going to guess probably they will make a change. But tell Kim that if we have any problems, because I'm not convinced on those other quarterbacks whatsoever. They have no experience, and they're going to be on the road. And, you know, they got to say, well, that's a game we can win. But on the other hand, the productivity is that Kim's got one offensive touchdown in three games. It's tough to win. I mean, it's just tough to win when you have that little. Not that it's all his fault, but because he had all those balls dropped against Maryland. But nonetheless, it, you know, he wants to shake things up. And my guess is to prevent these guys from all running to the portal, which they still may do anyway. My guess is they may go ahead and try to make a change there.
0: When I saw Izzo's photo on the sidelines in Iowa City early Saturday evening, my first thought was. I wonder if Tom spoke to the team about staying committed to Michigan State or about the benefits of not leaving East Lansing. He was there in support. You got D'Antonio. Harlan Barnett isn't looking like he's totally in charge on the sidelines, just a guy that you know hasn't been there before. But when McNamara went down to the knee injury, it was sitting right there uh, to steal a win, which really then put you halfway to a bowl game, and that was a huge loss. But I want to get your thoughts Was Izzo just there as support?
1: As far as I know, yeah, because he's been recruiting. He's been out of town. I know he was in Chicago last week recruiting and I think he, you know, wants to be supportive as best he can. You know, he, he has long felt that as football goes, that affects basketball in any number of different ways. And uh so that didn't surprise me necessarily that he was there, whether he's at Rutgers next week or not, kinda of depends on where he's going to recruit, you know, and how convenient, you know, the whole thing is. Uh, you know, moving forward. But you know, it's, it's tough, Bill. As soon as Cade McNamara went down, the people I was with, I bet one guy a buck, I said, I'll take Michigan state straight up right now with McNamara out of there. He took them right down the field on the first drive. Then they got squirrely at the end. They kicked the field goal. And I thought he'll move the ball on these guys all night long. Cause I thought that you know, Iowa is going to pull out all the stops to tell its own fans. Don't, Condemn our offense. We're going to get better. We're back home. Blah blah blah. Prime time, and they're still four and one. I mean, they were they were, whatever. However. You can never tell in football, of course, on injuries. I mean, how many people, what would the line have been and who would have been what if you knew that is going out in the second series and he's not going to come back and the guy they had was 11 for 27. He missed 16 passes, it was, and that's with a team that struggles, as you know, to move the ball generally. That said. Somehow, some guy runs a punt back 70 yards and overcomes a fumble recovery touchdown for Michigan State. I mean, the way they've lost these last two games has got to be incredibly demoralizing because that takes them out of anything. You know, when they say all of their goals are in front of them, well, that was then and this is now... And that's changed completely. But I think between now and Rutgers, the question's going to become what's going to happen uh, You know, off the field relative to personnel. And they got injuries, too. You know, that Malik Carr got nicked up and he was having a big game as their tight end. They had not been thrown to the tight end and they did to him in that game and he had a big game. Then he got injured. Then he came out. Then there were a couple other guys that got injured and came out of the game but didn't go back late. Now, whether two weeks is going to help him or not, uh, you know, I don't know. I agree with you on Barnett. I mean, I think they're too coordinated are pretty well doing what they do. They showed that uh, with all those coaches. It's got to be tough on those coaches, Bill, because they all know they're lame ducks, and they all know no matter what happens, they got to be thinking on the one hand, what do I do to have, you know, give our team a chance to win? And on the other hand, where in the world am I going to be next year? I would think that's got to be tough.
0: And who will be on the sidelines next year for Michigan State football as their head coach? you hearing any intel from your connections inside <laughs> MSU?
1: Alan Haller just released a letter to the community about 10 minutes ago. I just got done reading it. He sent a letter to the Michigan State community. It's long and says very little of substance. He thanks the community and the players and the support for the team. And then he says uh, he's rest assured we're going to go after the very best coach we can find. I cannot give you many, if any, updates moving forward because you have to keep this secret and private to maintain the confidentiality of any. Uh, potential candidates. He says he'll be talking with a lot of people. He says he's doing his due diligence, which they didn't do, obviously, on Mel Tucker. But nonetheless, he says we'll be doing due diligence on candidates, and rest assured we'll be going out and seeking the finest coach we can find for Michigan State. So he doesn't say anything specific on dates, on who's involved, other than the fact uh, that, that that you know he's on to it. And, uh, and I can't be talking to you every week about all this. It was mostly a letter. Like I say, you can read it because they just released it 10 minutes ago. It's a letter to the Spartan football community. Hang in there. Appreciate your support. Stay with the team. Stay with the coaches and all that. And we'll be looking for the best coach moving forward. So there's no specifics in there. And I tend to believe that. I think everything for them is just kind of an introductory fact-finding Nature because you cannot pin somebody down who's a coach immediately when the season isn't even halfway over yet, because those coaches, in my opinion, clearly do not have the Michigan State job on their mind. Furthermore, whoever they're thinking about, Bill, now remember, there's going to be about eight, nine, ten jobs that are open at the end of the season. That's usually the average number in Division One out of 132 schools or whatever it is. There's about ten jobs that are open. Are any of those jobs going to be considered pre- perhaps a better opportunity than Michigan state. That's all got to play itself out yet. So uh, I think anybody that tells you that so-and-so is a leading contender is fantasy land. I don't buy that for a minute. That's just somebody throwing something against the wall to see if it will stick. You can come up with some names and think, well, that would make sense that he might be, you know, considered. You can probably do some of that, but whether that's of any re- re- you know, reality, in Michigan State's case, all of that remains to be seen. The name that I see the most that that I get a chuckle out of because it's not going to happen. And what I don't understand is why some of these Michigan State people think this guy would get them out of the hole they're in is Urban Meyer. He's sixty, sixty-one years old. He has a tremendous deal now. He is. He knows oh well that all of the expertise and the success he had in college was at Florida and Ohio State, and Michigan State is not in the position Ohio State and Florida was in. He is not going to walk in the door over here and make them into Ohio State, and I cannot understand, plus the fact, off this Nassar situation, I would be shocked if Michigan State even talked to him, given the baggage that he has had in his background, which caused him some issues with his staff, he was at Ohio State of somewhat of a similar nature with all of the things that are going on at Michigan State. Even if he was interested and State wanted to, I don't think that would get approved. I just don't see it. And I don't think he'd ever be interested anyway. I think his ship has sailed. He's done it, all right? I mean, he, he, he's out of that now. He's more fun, having more fun with Fox in a Big Ten. Now, that said, if there's anybody else who's out of coaching now who they might be after and can talk to him at this point, Stay tuned.
0: Yeah, I think Urban Meyer is uh, the dream list uh, leader, uh, and the one thing I'm looking at Michigan State fans, and I, I tell them, I said, "Look, you had to settle on a five and seven uh, coach and Mel Tucker," and I get that Antonio's out of nowhere resignation put him in a bind, but uh, with what has gone on uh, with this school, what is still ongoing with Mel Tucker, I don't think players are going to line up. Now, the question is, some will say, well, look at the money they're going to save uh, with Mel Tucker. Uh, coaches know now what the previous coach was paid. So, you're going to move in somebody with no championship pedigree, uh, a big name, the hottest names in coaches, and everybody does this, when the Lions had openings, when Michigan has openings, and you know, everybody talks about the big name coach Wings had openings, I, and I'm like, no. I, I think Michigan State Needs a guy who can build a fresh new culture when it comes to football. A guy that would, you know, similar to what D'Antonio did, and I'll give him credit, who would bond with Izzo, who Izzo bonds with him, and together they tag team it. That's the type of coach they need. Not, you know, D'Antonio came from Cincinnati. He didn't come from Ohio State or Penn State or, you know, Southern Cal. He came from Cincinnati. All right. And Cincinnati wasn't even as big as they are today. Even though they're not having a great year, so I, I the Michigan State fans I think are overreaching, Tim. That's my read on it. It is. No,
1: well, to your I mean, I think youth has got. I think a completely brand new culture. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think somebody, you know, I, I keep in my own mind thinking about it. somebody said to me today, well, who would you pick? I said, you know what? I got to talk to these guys. I, I want to talk to them. I want, do you want to, why do you want this job? Okay. Why do you think you can be successful? I got to hear that from anybody. The thing about Urban Meyer, to me, is if you were going to get him, you had to get him when he was at Bowling Green. And I remember Ron Mason saying, we cannot hire a an American Conference coach, which went over at that time because he was a MAC coach. Nobody knew what he was going to do. So he goes to Utah, and he wins there. Well, if they could have got him out of Utah, then, you know, what is he, 45 years old, whatever he was at the time. But he didn't come here. He went to Florida, and then he went to Ohio State, and then he went to the NFL. And there's been, as you know, some baggage with him along the way. But I think his ship is sailed. I think, you know, it, you know I, look, I, I I don't say hire Brian Hardline. I'd say if he's interested, I'd like to talk to the guy. I just want to talk to the guy, see what see if he impresses me or not. And uh, uh, But I would say that about anybody because – why do you think you're going to be successful in this job? You tell me. And what do, you, what, are the, what do you think you can do here? And what do we have to do to give you the chance realistically that you think that you can be successful? I mean, right now, we can't beat Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. we got four schools from the West Coast, all of whom are good in football. We may get Clemson and somebody else, okay? So with all those football schools coming in, Why do you think of, why would you be interested in that? I would ask that of any candidate one way or the other. Who that is and who I would eliminate, whatever. I mean, I guess i got to hear from them. Instead of having somebody like Saban say, go hire that guy, that guy would be really good or anybody else. I want to hear what they have to say face-to-face with me. Now, to your point on Izzo, I clearly want him in the mix. Clearly, because Izzo they went along to get along but I, I, I always wondered why Tucker was at some of those basketball games in reality I, I can't put words in Tom's mouth to your point though yes he was close with Luanna Simon Mark Hollis and he was close with D'Antonio and that's why they they were you know attended to work for a few years there in the middle of you know the, the teens that it worked for four, five, six years whatever it was moving forward whether a football coach can go ahead and bond with Israel likes that furthermore I'd want Israel in on some kind of meetings just to hear what Tom thinks about what he heard somebody say to Michigan State. And look. They blew it with Tucker. They were under the gun at the time because it was February. Had that been in November and Antonio would have been out of there earlier, Tucker never would have been here. I don't know who would have because I don't think they handled Fickle right with the interview in the first place. I think with a far more, far more polished interview process, well beyond what they did, I think he still would have been here. But when he didn't come here, which shocked him a bit, then they panicked. And they not only panicked, But they offered the guy at Colorado the job of twice the money he's making. He turns it down. He says Michigan State's his dream job. But it's amazing when they offered him only twice the money at Colorado, he didn't take it. But when they jumped the money more than that, all of a sudden he did take it. I thought that was a red flag then, and I will never think differently about the whole thing. But what's done is done. And so now moving forward, are you going to eliminate those mistakes or are you going to repeat them? Stay tuned.